0: Everybody doing today, huh? You guys doing good? Come on, let's put our hands together. Welcome all of our campuses. We're so glad that you are with us today. And uh, ladies, I want to remind you one more time about Shine. It all kicks off this Wednesday night, man, and seats. I mean, the place is filling up. Registrations are filling up. Filling up. So if you have not registered, make sure that you do that before you go today. There's information out in the lobby. How many of you or enjoying the cooler weather, a little bit cooler weather. You know, I enjoyed pulling out this sweater this morning until I put it on. Look how tight this, I was like, how did I wear this last year? That's the thing about those fall sweaters. It's kind of a measurement as to how much weight you've gained, but I'm just going to go with I've been working out. How about that? I've been working out. That's why my sweater's so tight, but, uh, We're continuing in our Rhythms of Grace series, and you are going to hear a great message uh, today from one of our senior staff. He's over all of our campuses as well as our students, and he and his wife Ashley planted Celebration Church with Carrie and I over 16 years ago. Now, how many of you know, uh, someone that has planted the church with me and has been working with me for 16 years, he knows a thing or two about grace, doesn't he? So this is like, he has lived this message. But uh, Ashley, I want you to stand up too real quick. I just want y'all to see Ashley and their kids. Come on, Siege and Mag, stand up. Give them a big, big hand. We love the Brooks. Come on, everybody, give it up for Pastor Chris
1: Brooks. Thank you, Pastor Stovall. And it's great to be with you this morning. Oh, man, I'm just excited to speak to you. Uh, I want to greet all the campuses. O.P., Pastor Brad, Pastor Josh out at St. John's Campus. Come on, come on, let's put our hands together for our campuses. Those watching online, up in the loft. It's going to be a great day. I want to go ahead and get straight into the message this morning. I want to talk to you on the subject, three phases of grace. Three phases of grace. We're going, to kind of, we're going to do a part two of Pastor Carrie's message. And I want to encourage you, if you, if you haven't picked up her book yet, there in the bookstore, Rhythms of Grace, or at Amazon.com, make sure and do that today. And so let's say a prayer, and let's get into the Word this morning. Father, we thank you f- for such a great day. And we open our hearts to you, God. And our prayer this morning is that we would leave changed, God, and closer to you, Jesus. And everybody said, Amen three phases of grace, three phases of grace, if you want to write that down. The first phase of grace is life before grace, life before grace. In John chapter 1, if you want to turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1, the scripture says this, it says, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And so grace always is going to lead us to truth. Can I have a good amen? And so think of the world before Christ. Think what it must have been like before he, Jesus came. They were under the law. Think how cold and barren the world must have been. And so there was 600 laws, 600-something laws, 613 laws. The Pharisees came along and added 300 more. Now, there's a story in the Bible about a man who was picking up sticks on the Sabbath, and so the Lord goes to, Moses goes to the Lord and says, what should I do with him? And the Lord, the Lord says, stone him. So all the people stone him. I mean, here's someone just trying to keep warm. Dead. Can you imagine what life must have been like under the law? I mean, that's pretty hardcore. I was just trying to keep warm. Nope, you're dead. I mean, that, <laughs> it's pretty hardcore. And here comes Jesus on the scene. And the scripture says, grace and truth came through Jesus. Can you see a picture of grace through the Lord Jesus Christ? coming on the scene. And so these laws that everyone lived under, they had several functions. They were to protect the Israelites. There were dietary laws to keep them healthy. There was uh, moral laws that they lived under. So it protected God's people. It kept them healthy. But the primary purpose of the law was to frustrate God's people and point them to a Savior. It was just a temporary covenant. In Hebrews, it talks about they're gonna, there's going to be a new and better covenant the new covenant, And so the law was just to show them, no matter what you do, you're going to break God's standard. It's going to point them to a new covenant, to grace. And so, you know, the, every year of the Day of Atonement, the priest went into the Holy of Holies and made sacrifice for the sins. He, he laid his hands on the scapegoat and sent it out into the wilderness. This was all just a temporary system. Galatians puts it like this, Therefore the law was our tutor. Schoolmaster is what the King James Version says. The law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ that we may be justified by faith. Whenever I read this scripture, I always think of this word tutor. I had, a, I had to have a tutor when I was in high school for math, advanced math I took, and I had this tutor that helped me to get through it. I had this teacher in math, her name was Miss Drake. I wish I had a picture of what she looked like, but I was a senior in high school. I was trying, I was taking advanced math. I just, I couldn't get it. It was tough for me. Uh, I sat next to my, my wife, Ashley, and so I think I was more focused on her than I was math. And uh, I had this cologne that I used to wear called Drakkar. Any Dracar you Drakkar in the house. Come on, somebody. In fact, let me show you a picture of what I look like. Come on, y'all. Hey, look. I had the 5-0. I had your car. I had, does anybody know anything about acid wash jeans? Come on, somebody. Come on, y'all. Y'all don't know anything about acid wash jeans. And so, you know, she sat next to me in advanced math. The car was just like drifting over to her, you know. I couldn't focus on it. I couldn't focus on the math. In, In fact, when I went to college, I took algebra. I made it through that. But then, I Pastor Stovall talks about, he took consumer math. Listen to what math I took after I got through algebra. The nature of math. We didn't even use numbers. <laughs> <laughs> math without numbers. I got an A in that. So I, I had this teacher, Ms. Drake, and I remember all my report card to graduate, all my, this is a true story, all my report card, there was an F that she made into a D, and I made it out. I got through there. And so here's what happens. We were under the law. And here's when we come to Christ, we change teachers. The law is no longer our schoolmaster. It's no longer a hard taskmaster. Now, Jesus Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, becomes our teacher. And so life before grace, how difficult it it must have been before Jesus, how difficult it can be. Many people live without grace today. And so the Bible says there's pleasure in sin for a season— but it's short-lived, isn't it? It's short-lived. It's, a, it's all a counterfeit. And so um, I felt like before, my life before grace, I felt like God uh, graded on a curve. I felt like as long as I'm not, not as bad as Pastor Stovall, then I'm going to be okay. I mean, I was like an angel compared to him. I mean, everything's going to be fine. You know, I go to church a, a, a couple times a year, you, you know? I, I mean, I went to Sunday uh, vacation Bible school one time when I was a kid. I'm, I'm good. You know, I believe in Jesus. I'm good. I kind of felt like God greater on the curve. I think there's a lot of people that kind of feel like that. And, uh, you know, I just, but I knew I had this emptiness inside of, of my heart. I knew that there had to be a greater purpose than just, you know, partying, making money. In fact, the scripture says in Ephesians that we are spiritually dead in our trespasses and sins. And so just know I was spiritually barren. In fact, I know when I f- reflect back on this time, I know that there were wounds in my heart and in my soul that I was trying to compensate for. And I needed, I needed to be made whole. Jesus Christ makes us whole. He makes us spiritually whole, emotionally whole. And so, you know, I had fun at times, but I knew in my heart there was something more. So the first phase of grace is life before grace. Some of you are there this morning, life before grace. You're experiencing life without the grace of the Lord Jesus. And Jesus said this, maybe you feel like you're carrying a weight, like all the responsibility of your life is on your shoulders. I remember that's how I felt oftentimes. Just, it's just, I felt like this pressure that I was weighted down. The Lord Jesus said this, He said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly of heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. He said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's how I felt when I met the Lord Jesus. I felt like there was a weight, a burden that was taken off of me and I experience grace. Maybe some of you are living a life before grace this morning, and you need to experience life in grace. So the first phase is life before. You know, there's loads of people in our community, in our city, maybe even some of you that are experiencing life before grace. The second phase of grace is life by grace. Life by grace. The Scripture says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, and not of works, lest any man should boast. If you're a believer, you need to know that scripture. It's one of, our, one of our, the cornerstones of our faith. our faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. You can't, you can't say and not that of yourselves, you can't save yourself. It's the gift of God. And not of works. You can't earn salvation through works. And you can't brag about it. You just receive it by faith. And so the grace of God moving on the earth, grace and truth came through Jesus. And I haven't really shared this part of my testimony on a weekend, but I wanted to share a story with you. So you guys saw the picture there. I was about 18 in that picture. And I went off to college, and on the weekends, on the summers, I would come home to Shreveport, where I'm from, and I would work construction Worked to make money for college. And so I worked for this big pool construction company. This guy who used to work for me, his name was Gordon. So one day, uh, you know, I was about 20 years old. One day we were riding the truck together. And Gordon was one of these guys. He was a a really bad alcoholic. He used to wake up in the morning and drink a beer on the way to work. Early in the morning. You know, we started early because it would get so hot in Louisiana. And he, I mean, when you're drinking a beer at 6, 7 a.m., it's it's bad, and that's what he was. That's what he was doing. It was sad. I mean, that's how he could function. You know, Gordon was about thirty three, and we were riding a truck together one day. And he said this. He said, "Do you believe in God? Do you, do you think there's a heaven? You, you know." And and I, in fact, I I said that. I asked him that. And this is what he said to me. He said, "You know, I believe in God. I believe there's a heaven." He said, "But I'm having too much fun right now." He said, "I just don't want to." I I don't want to change. He said, I know I need to, but I'm just, this is what he said to me, I'm having too much fun right now, and I just, I'm not ready to commit my life to God. And I'm sitting there thinking, I kind of feel the same way, I just don't want to say it, I'm too scared to say it, you know? But I'm, but it, it, I'll never forget it, I mean, that was a long time ago, but I, I, you know, I felt like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me some, because I mean, I remember it like it was Yesterday. And so here's what happened to Gordon. One, one day, my mom comes in my room. She knocks on the, on the door. She said, who's that friend of yours that you work with? Gordon? She said, look on the paper. And on the front page of the paper, his apartment had caught on fire, and he was, in, he was injured in the fire, and he ended up passing away. And I remember re- reading the paper, and, man, I was like, wow. I instantly thought about that conversation that we had. And so the scripture, Jesus said this. He went to this 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 guy, Nicodemus, went to him, and he said, you know, tell me about eternal life. And Jesus said said this, the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it. You don't know where it comes from and where it's going. He says, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit of God. He said, do not marvel that I tell you, you must be born again. And I know during this time, the Holy Spirit was just moving in my life. He's moving in many of your lives this morning. And, and, and God used that terrible circumstance. It, I, I didn't make a decision that day, but I'm telling you, I started thinking about eternal life. And here's what I wanted to tell you this story about. That, that was a moment in my life that, that I think about often. Gordon was an addict, and here's what I, I know about addictions. Jesus quoted Isaiah 61, and he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And here's what I know. There's an anointing of God that can break an addiction. A prison of addiction. Whatever that addiction is in your life, I know that the Spirit of God can break that yoke, open those prison doors, and bring freedom into your life. Come on, let's put our hands together for the power of God. Another reason I want to share that story is because the Scripture says in James that life is but a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. We don't know what our life, and the Scripture says this, today is the day of salvation. We are saved by grace, through faith, and not that of ourselves. It is the gift of God And not of works, lest anyone should boast. We have to receive the gift of God, uh, the gift of salvation. And so for so many people, it's just too simple. They would rather try to earn salvation, but the Scripture says you can't earn it. There's no way. And and so I remember thinking, how did I not get this when I got saved? As a 21-year-old kid, I've shared my testimony here before. You know, I was in this apartment, and I I met Jesus. I had this radical encounter with Jesus, and here's how I would describe my salvation experience. God brought great freedom and love into my heart. My life was radically changed when I met Jesus. I remember thinking, why did I have such a powerful salvation experience? I mean, honestly, when I met Jesus in Vartan Villa Apartment Complex in Baton Rouge, Louisiana— that's why I'm standing here today. It was a radical transformation to me. My life totally changed courses. And, and I think why did that? You know why I think I had no light and truth in my life? There was no, I was in total darkness. There was no light. There was no truth. I was walking in darkness and bondage. And when his life and, and, and love and light flooded into my heart and life, it just brought radical change. Aren't you thankful for the power of the gospel of Christ? Amen? And so well, I think I have a picture here. I kind of wanted to show you a before and after picture. There's when I got baptized. I was a long time ago. I had lots of hair. Now I just, if I got baptized, I would just, it'd be easy. Back then I probably had gel in my hair, had your car on. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> oh, man. So, so many people, you know, they, they grow up in church. I have two kids, and they've been, they're like church mice. I mean, they have been in church their whole life. I mean, they have heard more scriptures and sermons and worship songs. I mean, they've heard more scriptures by at, at 13 and, and, and 11 than I heard, you know, till I was 30. Uh, I mean, and, and so uh, some, some people, it's more like osmosis. The light and the love and the truth of God is just gradually going into their hearts, but it still produces a life, a changed life. And so uh, here's You know, here's something else that I remember thinking, why did I not receive this earlier? I feel like I I, I was 21. I said, I feel like I've wasted my whole life. (laughs) And so, uh, you know, I had made um, uh, good friends with this guy in high school. His name was Chris. And we we were best friends. We was Chris and Chris. We did everything together. And we had made plans to live together in college at LSU. He went to college there in Lafayette for a couple years. And then he came and lived with me in Baton Rouge. The problem was, I got saved in between these years. So he came and moved in with me. He's like, man, you've changed. He said, I don't know what's happening. He said, "You know, but, and, and I remember telling him this, uh, you know, I can't explain. He would ask me all these questions and try to explain evolution and, get, you know, t- with the dinosaurs. I didn't have any answers. But, but I tell you this, I didn't know a scripture, but I tell you this, I was changed, friend. And he, and he said, he goes, I don't know what it is with you, but... You're changed, and you believe it. I said, that's right, I do. I remember one day, you know, he was still partying, and one, one morning I woke up, and he was passed out on the uh, floor there in our apartment, and I had, you know, I, was, I got up early, I had like a, a white shirt and a towel and a big, old giant Bible with like index things so I could know all the books. I didn't know where they were. I had to have like index things. So I'm carrying this giant, I miss those big Bibles. I was thinking about now we all have electronic Bibles. What, those big Bibles were like a weapon back in the day. You just kind of, you know, and, and I got up, and I'm, I'm walking out with this giant Bible. He's laying there, and, and I stepped out of him. He's like, where are you going? I said, I'm going to Sunday school, man. It's like 7.30 on a, on a Sunday. He's like, whatever, man, whatever, you know. I just And I just walked out. And, and so uh, here's what I want, I want to tell you about this. No one is too far from the grace of God. No one. I want you to think... Think about what was happening in your life when Jesus came in your life and, and turned your life around. Think about how far away you were, what was happening in your life. It doesn't matter how old you are. And so we moved to Jacksonville with Pastor Stovall in 1998. The, the story I'm telling you about, that was, that was 1991, 1992. So 98, we moved to Jacksonville. In about 2001, I get a call. It's Chris. He calls me, says, I am moving. You guys, listen, you're you're not going to believe this. I'm moving to Orange Park. (laughs) I was like, really? And so he he moves to Orange Park. They end up visiting the church when we're down the street at UNF. He comes, man, and he commits his life to Christ at UNF. Yeah. And I, I, remember think, I remember at church, they were trying to have children, so me and another pastor, we prayed for them to be pregnant. He has two beautiful girls, and he's a leader in his church in, in Louisiana now. No one is too far from the grace of God. No one I, I think that's a word for us,. Today. There's friends in your life, family members. Maybe you have sons, daughters, family members that, that you feel are far from God. No one is too far. From the grace of God, I want to encourage you, don't give up on them. Don't quit. Keep praying. Hey, that was a lot of years. That was 10 years that went by. But the wind is blowing in people's lives. The grace of God is moving on the earth. And I know that there's thousands of people in Jacksonville that are simply waiting on an invitation. I'm telling you guys, if you will just open your eyes to the harvest bring a friend, invite somebody. I remember when um, my girlfriend at the time, Ashley, got saved. At first, she wasn't interested in being saved. You know, I wore these T-shirts. Every T-shirt I had, had like Jesus hanging on a cross with blood on it or fire, you know. So she thought I was crazy, you know, and I was a little crazy. I'll admit that. But I'll never forget. I gave her this little book to read. I'll never forget. She calls me and she says, Chris, I want to go to heaven. I want to go to heaven, too. And I said a prayer with her. And I'm telling you, just a simple invitation, you will be surprised how many people will show up in this place if you'll just ask them. Amen? So the first phase of grace is life before grace. Lots of people are there. They're just living life with this burden on their back. The second phase is life by grace. And that's, that's receiving Christ. It, you can't earn it. There's nothing you can do. You have to receive it by faith. It's a gift of God. And the Bible teaches us that there's a saving grace. That's how we're saved. We're saved by grace through faith. But is grace just for salvation? Of course it's not. You know, there's much more to grace than just being saved. And so the third step of grace, the third phase, is life in a rhythm of grace. Life in a rhythm of grace. And so grace is how we live in Christ. It's not just a one-time event, but grace is a lifelong journey of walking with God. And so I meet people, you know, sometimes I meet people like this. I was saved and filled with the Holy Ghost in 1975. Hallelujah! You like, well, what about now? I mean, are you filled now? I, I mean, see, see, grace is the Spirit of God in our life. And, and so it's how our lives are changed or trans- and transformed. The Titus says this that grace trains us in how to live. And so Colossians 2 6 says this, as you have received, as you have re- therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Just as, you, how'd you receive him? You couldn't earn it, you just had to receive it by faith, couldn't you? and you had to just walk in it. Just how you received it, walk in him. That's grace. And so when I got saved, like I said, here was, here's how two words I would describe my experience. Freedom. Freedom, man. That's what I felt. Freedom from the bondage of sin. All that stuff I was telling you about, holes in my soul that needed healing. I felt free. I felt clean. I felt made whole. His love, freedom, is how I would describe it, and love. Freedom and love. That's what he brings, and so I did. You know, I, I had this radical ex- experience, and then I just I dove into the spiritual disciplines. The spiritual disciplines, you know, are things like prayer, reading, Bible reading, you know, serving, giving, all of these things. I just dove into these as hard as I, I can, and I just I noticed that a little bit of joy was starting to drift from my life. Some of this freedom that I had felt. Galatians says this. Stand fast, therefore, in the freedom, the liberty, wherewith Christ has made you free. And don't be entangled again in a yoke of bondage. And so what is a yoke of bondage in this context? Is he talking about sin? Now, sin could be a part of it, but in the context, he's talking about legalism. He's talking about a performance trap, trying to earn God's love through works or spiritual disciplines. And so I noticed that some of this joy in my life was drifting a bit, and, and I, I just felt like this, it, it slowly crept in my life, and I felt like this, the more that I prayed or read or served, I mean, I would wake up 4 a.m. reading all these books, reading the Bible, I felt like the more I did that, the more God would love me. And so here's what happened to me, I came to this place of brokenness, and I, I've talked to many Christians over the years that come to the same place, when you're trying to earn God's love through performance, you've drifted from grace, you forgot about the grace of God that saved you that you couldn't earn anymore. And now you're trying to earn his love through good works. And so quickly, I'll tell you, here's how the best way to understand the spiritual disciplines. They're like a, they're, if, if a farmer was planting some seed and he planted seed in the ground, he kept the, you know, animals away, he made sure it was watered and he, t- you know, to grow a harvest, he did all this work. The spiritual disciplines in our life are just like the work we do. They're they're nothing in and of themselves. All they do is position us to have a harvest and the harvest to have a healthy walk with God. And so when the the spiritual disciplines in your life become a a means in and of themselves, you can drift from grace. And you think the more that you do, the more God loves you. You're starting to drift a little bit. What I think happens usually is people get to a place of brokenness and they come back to grace. Because the Bible says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And when you're trying to earn, you know what it really is? It's pride. Because you're saying, I I am saved by my works. I am in relationship through my works. So many Christians come to this place of brokenness again, and they remember grace, and they're refreshed again. I want to give you a a couple of things of how I know I'm walking in a rhythm of grace. I wrote these down, a few things. Here's how I know when I'm walking in a rhythm of grace. When I know... And I'm walking in this revelation or this truth that there's nothing I can do to make God love me anymore. And there's nothing that I've done that will make him love me any less. Do you know, that's, that, that would be a good definition of the gospel right there. There's nothing I can do to make him love me anymore. And it, listen, when I say that, if that kind of hits you and you're like, I'm not sure if that's true, you need to remember grace. There's nothing you can do to make him love you anymore and there's nothing you've done to make him love you any less. That's the gospel. That's grace. Another way I'm, I know that I'm walking in a rhythm of grace is when I want to freely share the love and the joy that Jesus has given me. When I, know, when I freely want to do that, and I, I, it's contagious, and I say, man, I, just, I know there's people who are living a life before grace, and I want to freely share that. I know that grace is flowing in my life. When you're in legalism or bonded, you don't want to share it. Another way, and this is an easy one, that I know I'm in a rhythm of grace is when I know that I'm genuinely connecting with God through worship and prayer. Because I know what it's like to go through the motions. You can come to church, and your heart can be far from God, and you can kind of half sing the words, or you can genuinely connect to the Lord in prayer and worship, and you can't fake God out. You can fake your wife out, You can fake your husband out, the pastor's out, friends out, but you can't fake God out. And the scripture says he's seeking those that worship him. And you know when you're genuinely connecting, that's when you're in a rhythm of grace. Another way that I know that I'm in a rhythm of grace is when I just see the fruit of the spirit flowing into my life. The fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control versus selfishness. When there's more patience than selfishness, the fruit of the spirit. The, I'm in a rhythm, and so let me give and here, let me give you some ideas of how to understand and walk in the grace of God in your life. These are just little synonyms of grace. You may want to write some of these down. I, I've been meditating on these for a lot of years, and they they've helped me. And so, grace is a free gift from God. You can't earn it. You have to receive it. Here's here's the thing. Most of us want. To, we've been performing for love of people in our life, and so we want to perform for the love of God in our life. But it doesn't work that way. And so grace is a free gift. You have to open and receive it, just like you did at salvation. You knew you couldn't earn the gift of salvation. It was free. But then sometimes we get in this thing where we try to earn his love through works, and it doesn't work that way. And so how do you walk in a rhythm of grace? How do you know that you're walking in this abiding in Christ in this rhythm of grace. You have to understand what grace is. You have to understand what it is, and you have to just keep a rhythm of that grace flowing in your life. And write some of these words down as we close here. The first one is acceptable. These things have to be received from the Lord. The scripture says we are accepted in the beloved. You're accepted. He accepts you just how you are. Maybe some of you have felt rejected Here's what I know about rejected. We've all experienced it at times. If you've ever felt rejected, it's because God is choosing you for something greater. But grace says God accepts us. Grace said he wants to give us benefits. He wants to give us benefits. What does that mean? He wants to benefit you. He He has good things in life for you. Psalm 103, he wants to bless you. Grace says he has gifts for you to receive. God wants to give you gifts. He has good things for you in your life. Uh, Spiritual gifts. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Grace says he wants to bless you financially. He wants to bless you physically. He has gifts for us. Grace says that when God thinks of you, his heart is full of joy. He doesn't endure us. He doesn't put up with us, but when... He thinks of you. His heart is full of joy and he wants your life to be full of joy. Don't you love it when your kids are walking with joy? Same with the Lord. He loves it when his children are filled with joy. Grace means liberality. That means there's more than enough grace. It never runs out. The band can can come on up. I want to close here in a second, but When I walk out to the ocean here in Jacksonville, and I see the ocean many times, I think of grace. There's more than enough grace for us. Liberality. There's more. He never runs out. You say, "I went through a difficult time. I bet God's grace was there, and He'll give you grace if you're going through a time again that's adversity." Here's how. Here's another way about grace. When you're walking through adversity. And you see the supernatural power of God that gives you peace in the midst of adversity, that's grace. And so he he has more than enough, it never runs out. Pleasure. God takes pleasure in you. He thinks you're awesome. When he looks down from you in a crowd of people, he wants to give you favor. You know what favor means? Special attention. When God looks in this sanctuary, all of these hundreds and hundreds of people, you know what? He sees you. And he wants to give you special attention. Gratitude. God is thankful for you. Grace means that God is thankful for you. He's thankful for a vessel that he can pour his spirit into. That you can represent his love and the fruit of his spirit to others on the earth you're accepted, you have benefits, you have gifts, joy, freedom. God takes pleasure. He gives you favor. He's thankful for you. These are all God's grace in our life. And there's nothing like the power of grace in our life to bring change and a rhythm of grace. So as we close, life before grace, life by grace, life in a rhythm of grace. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Which one of those three? Here's what I want to do. I want to say a prayer. I want to give you a chance to respond. Come on, let's bow our heads. And if you'd say, Pastor Chris, I need to make a decision to commit my life to Jesus today. Just to slip a hand up. Amen. Amen. Anyone else? Slip a hand up. Let me see it. Put your hand up high where I can see it. Anyone else? Amen. Amen. I want to say a prayer for you. You can put them down. Let's say a prayer. Just pray this right in your heart. Lord Jesus, thank you for going to the cross for me, paying the price for all of my sins. I commit my life to you. I make you the Lord of my life. I turn away from my old life and I turn to the cross and I receive you by faith this morning in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for God. Here's what else I want to do. Come on, let's all stand together. And I want to pray for you. Come on, let's stand quickly. I want to pray for you today. I want to pray that grace would refresh your life and that you would feel closer to Jesus. You would just feel a... You know, there's a scripture that says there's times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. His Spirit, His anointing can bring that grace into our hearts in a special way. It's, It's not just emotional or something. It's something that happens in our hearts. Amen? So maybe you just want to lift your hands up to God today and receive this, or open your hands up, receive this prayer. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray that you would bless your people with grace. Right now, I just pray that the fruit of the Spirit, God, your love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness would fill their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that they would, I pray that Scripture, that they would have a refreshing from you, that only comes from you, God, that you would bring wholeness and peace into their life, that they would walk in a rhythm of grace this week. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining us for this week's message. Our prayer is that it will help you to live a God-first life. For more information about Celebration Church and other available resources, please visit our website at www.celebration.org.